0: Good morning on this Thursday in the 23rd week as we gather, we continue in our study of Luke yesterday and again this morning, as well as in Corinthians. We know something of the young church in Corinth, one of the early churches that Paul helped establish. He spent some time there. And the setting is this, is that Corinth had a pantheistic view. There were many, many diverse cultures and pagan faith expressed there because it was this large international seaport so you had people from all over the mediterranean world traveling in and out and through corinth and so the young church there includes individuals who came from a gentile pagan past most of them there were some jews who had been converted to christianity and became followers of christ saw christ as the messiah but the majority of the corinthians were not Uh, previous or former Jews. They were pagans who had a pantheistic view. And in the pagan world, some of the rituals and practices included sacrificing various artifacts, including meats of animals that had been sacrificed. And so Paul is sympathetic to that and trying to say to the young church, now completely freed from these uh, previously existing restrictions and rubrics that were pagan in their orientation, now freed from that, he doesn't want the young church to then become scandalous in that they are promoting an indifference to things that previously were a big deal so if this imagined person in the new in the young church this new christian received into the faith had a long history of being uh, reverent to a particular meat offered on a certain day that was an, a paganistic practice now is a christian who's indifferent to those because there's only one God. That's how our reading today begins. There is one God. Paul was trying to remind them, but don't do things that could become problematic or scandalous to those because they're not yet mature in the faith. You have an insight because of your your, your knowledge in the faith and your understanding, the pedagogy of the Catholic or Christian faith, Catholic faith. But you you don't know that person's background. So don't do things that are intentionally offensive. In our... Reading from Luke, Luke and Matthew parallel this story. We know from Matthew it's known as the Sermon on the Mount. In Luke's offering, it's the Sermon on the Plain. It's the same preaching. It begins with the Beatitudes and then follows a series of teachings. In Matthew's case, that's a discourse we studied about six weeks ago in that reading in Matthew in our daily Mass. And there we learned about the seven teachings that follow the nine Beatitudes. You know, sometimes in scripture study, you can remember these little these little numeric hints, or you can remember a names of a certain passage. So we know that in the fifth chapter of Matthew, there are nine Beatitudes and then seven subsequent teachings. We can remember that. Matthew, 97. Got it. We can remember those little things. So those seven teachings in Matthew are about the law, about anger, about adultery, and about divorce, about taking oaths, about... Uh, taking retaliation, and then love of enemies. And in Luke's gospel, he presents the nine Beatitudes as well, or the the Beatitudinal teachings of our Lord, and then he follows it with teachings around love of enemy. He, He goes right into love of enemy, immediately following the Beatitudes. And he tells us today, he gives us instruction of how to operate. We have to distinguish between... Tolerating a person who's doing something we don't agree with and tolerating evil. There's a big distinction between that. I offer this. If we're in a scenario, it doesn't matter the setting, you imagine it in your own mind, where an innocent person is being intentionally harmed by another, most expressly in a physical way. A young child is being abused, a defenseless person is being abused, elderly, a person who can't defend themselves as being accosted or abused by someone else, it is right to step into that moment and stop the evil act. It is right to do that. It's not what our Lord is suggesting, that we all just curl up and be passive when evil is being carried out. No, no, that's not his teaching. But his teaching is, begins with, number one, we need to be careful that we're not the judge of what is evil. There are things that are objectively evil. Let's Be clear in that, there are things, harming a child, harming an elderly, harming a person who can't defend themselves, that's objectively evil, and it should be stopped in every occurrence. Tomorrow, we're gonna celebrate the service and vocations of those who do that for a living, those who keep us safe, police, fire, first responders, they step into difficult situations with intention in compassion to do what is necessary to, to help and protect all of us. But our teaching today focuses on how do we respond in general. So number one, we, we hate, the sin, hate the sin, but we love the sinner, right? We hate the sin, but we love the sinner. Even our Savior on his cross is forgiving of those who are torturing him. Even our Savior on the cross is forgiving of those who torture him. He's not condoning their torture. What he's saying is, I have mercy on those who are doing this. Father, they do not know what they are doing. Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. But today, our Lord, captured by Luke, tells us this. But to you who hear I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. To the person who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other as well. And from the person who takes your cloak, do not withhold even your tunic. It's useful in Scripture to try to always apply that to our contemporary moments. So I'll offer this as a consideration. Whether it's within our family or even our close circle of friends, work colleagues, we may find ourselves uh, in a moment of contention, a moment of difference. And that's natural. That's natural to the human story. We all have those moments of encounter. So when we enter into those moments, it's good to take a pause and ask ourselves, do I have uh, full knowledge of what's happened here? Do I have full knowledge of this situation? And it's useful to ask that because there might be important information we missed or there might be a perspective that the other has that we haven't seen yet. Our life experience is different, our encounter with people involved has been different, our understanding of that moment that we disagree on. Could be because there's two perspectives and both perspectives are valid it doesn't mean both perspectives are completely true. If I say that clearly, two people can differ in perspective on something. It doesn't mean both perspectives are actually true, but they're valid to the person because they lived it, they experienced it. So it's good for us as we enter into those moments to pause and ask ourselves: do I have full insight here? Do I, do I really understand what's happened in this moment, in this disagreement that's occurred? my in quotes enemy going further though <clears throat> here's a practical application when we're in that moment of difference or disagreement it's useful to engage by asking the the opposition asking that person with whom we are in disagreement do i understand this from your perspective fully and we ask that question intentionally do i help me understand from your perspective what I'm not yet seeing. Help me see it from your view. Help me with that. I don't see what you're seeing. I don't experience what you're experiencing. Help me fill in the blanks because my encounter or my experience was very different. That's a good first step. If the person with whom we're in opposition persists in an approach that's wounding to us, things they're saying or things they're doing, it's then useful, step two, after, after asking for clarity and seeking you know, full understanding, the next step is to ask the person, how would you like this to proceed? You're asking that, I mean, it actually can pause, it can bring a moment of pause into a argument that's starting to get animated by asking the other, how would you like to see this proceed? Or more purposefully, how would you like me to respond? because what you've just said, or what you're offering, or what you've done, is very harmful to me, or difficult to me, or received very poorly, how would you like me to respond? Should I respond in kind? Should I do nothing, or should I, should I just ignore you? I, help me understand what you would like me to do. In response to what you said or done, what's my next move? Help me out here, help me out here. I think if we engage it that way, that's following in alignment with our Lord's teaching in the gospel, which is don't retaliate right away. Seek understanding and then ask the person, engage them in the solution. How would you like me to respond to this? You've just said something that's pretty hard to hear. What do you imagine my response should be? And that can actually open dialogue up. It builds relationship because you're asking for their help in finding a solution. That's... The person who takes your cloak, you're offering them your your second one. The person who struck you on the cheek, you're offering your other cheek. But you're doing so in a way that respects your dignity and respects theirs as well. Because you're engaging them in the solution by asking them, what would you like me to do in response to what you've just said? Because if what they've said, their criticism, is valid, there's an opportunity for us to change, isn't it? There's an opportunity for us to say, oh, I hadn't seen it that way before. Very good. Here's what I can do in response to what you've offered. If their critique or if their, their insult is invalid, meaning it's, it's, not, it's not based on any merit or truth, then we ask them, what would you like me to do? Because what you've observed or what you've said is either untrue or, or wounding. How would you like me to respond? And that's the teaching from Matthew 7, 12, and it's echoed here again by Luke. Do unto others that you would have them do unto you. You're asking them, if this happened to you, how would you respond? What would you do in this moment? You're asking for their advice. And my suggestion is, well, first, my admission. My admission is, I don't do that enough, and I need to do that better. My suggestion is, if we do that, we may open up an opportunity for dialogue that would advance the cause that both are seeking. It would advance the cause that both are seeking. We heard beautifully today in conclusion from the Psalm 139, 139. That's just that's just such an amazing psalm to reflect on. And it's, it's like O negative blood. It's like the universal donor. 139 can be used in so many different circumstances. Conception of a child as the mother anticipates that child's birth or... Our seeking of our Lord's protection—he's around us. He's all around. Us. He knows everything about us. Behind me and before you, you hem me in and rest your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. O oh Lord, you have probed me. The psalmist begins, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I stand. You understand my thoughts from afar. That's just—that's just great to begin the day with. My goodness. Truly, here's to young mamas, truly you have formed me in my inmost being, you knit me together in my mama's womb. I give you thanks for I am fearfully made, wonderfully made, wonderful are your works. My soul also you know full well, because he breathed it into you, that's how he knows it full well. When I was made in secret, when I was fashioned in the depths of the earth. Just dwell on that. But he concludes with, probe me God, know my heart, try me, know my thoughts, see if my way is crooked, and lead me in the way of old or lead me in the way of wisdom, of understanding. Maybe that's the petition we offer as we engage into these moments of encounter, these moments of contest. Before the argument gets too animated, let's just offer that final thought in our minds. It's the 23rd, 24th verse of Psalm 139. Probe me, God. Know my heart. Try me. And know my thoughts. Just say that in our mind or under our breath as that argument starts to elevate. And we may have this infusion of grace, this peace at a moment where we can ask the other together in partnership, how should we proceed as we walk forward in faith? Amen.